Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of the fourth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Oh, Banjo, I'm very, very excited for a great episode of Plebs on Cricket and Tennis. That, that They are so much more interesting than the football at the moment. What is there anyone who actually cares about footy right now? I after really the, like how you're excited to be here, excited to give the people I am, what they want. I, am, I can't wait to talk about the uh, World Cup final last night. Was that the best game of cricket ever played, do you reckon? Uh... Given I watched none of it, hard to say. Oh, mate. But it was. It sounds like, sure, like it. It was. sounds like it. Of course. Hard it to. Nothing competes. So, you're not ruling out any test. Like, yeah. I mean, what would there be? There'd be like the tide test or something like that. Edge bass. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, test cricket is better. But, like, this was this was just ridiculous. And then, like, as it hits its crescendo, mm. it's bloody 12-all tiebreaker happens in the tennis. It, like, is, it is amazing how one-day cricket sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. Until yeah. the World Cup and then it's awesome. Well, I mean, it's still terrible. Like the, like, the last World Cup, the final was a boring piece of crap, Yeah, really. but it Apart had the South the fact Africa there was New Zealand game. It had the Australia-New yeah. Zealand game in New Zealand. That was awesome. Yeah. But like, I'm, there are great one-days to be played. But in all... It just sp- can really suck, no, In all sports, there's going to be some good games and some bad games. But, like, the, the standard yeah, one-day game is shit. Yeah, but the standard one-day game in the World Cup is... 10 times better than a normal ODI. Like, it, it well, just, it, it's nice well, when they matter because normally it's just the junk thrown in at the end of a test series and it's always the consolation prize. It, and it, look, it, it has to be said as well. The, the pitches were good. In the, they weren't, remember the last World Cup? It was yeah, like, it was too flat. They made like 350 plus like every inning. Yeah. So it was just bloody boring. Well, this time it was actually like a real battle. A lot of the time the bowlers were on top and God, it makes cricket so much better. Yeah, a 250 ODI is way better oh, than so, a 350 oh, so ODI. So much better. But um, this is a football podcast. What about the tennis? Uh, go Novak. That, that was pretty... You don't support Novak, do you? I'm a contrarian You do heart. support dickheads, don't you? I'm the biggest Roger fan. But like, look, by the end, Banjo, I didn't even care. Like, They both deserve to win. I, I just didn't even care about the result. But look, I'm very, very tired, and I don't really want to be talking about football right now. Because no, our podcasts go too long even when we don't spend... Two minutes on uh, other sports, so let's get a move <sighs> so on. So much more interesting. All right, Banjo, if we have to, we'll get into everyone's favourite segment. I like Go- how you said that <laughs> with the appropriate level of sarcasm, because you are wrong. Uh, gold jacket, green jacket, Banjo. The uh, title derives from the line in Happy Gilmore, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? And we give three, two, and one votes for the most meaningless games of the round. One vote this week, Banjo. We're very happy to say it. The Western Bulldogs defeated Melbourne by eight points. Uh, was not much of a game, this one, Banjo. was not a lot of fun to go along to the old Marv and uh, sit there and watch this misery play out. It wasn't a cracking eyes. contest. Eight points, pretty close all the way through. You didn't, didn't get uh, entranced by no, the... Uh, like, no, it, the it, game didn't enchant you. It was still... It was, it was kind of the same feeling you have about the Gold Coast game where it comes <laughs> late and you're like... This has just been so crap. I just don't even care what happens anymore. That was the feeling I had. Look, the first half was wasn't terrible. It wasn't. It wasn't good football. It wasn't dreadful football. The third quarter, God, we were bad, Banjo. Oh my God, we were bad. We just, just nothing. At worked. a we certain were lazy. point, we isn't it? Get it over just halfway. in the third quarter, we were our normal selves. Maybe, yeah, but like. No, no, that that was that was like a bottom level for Melbourne okay. in the third quarter, and then the last quarter we actually did have some chances and blew them as we normally do. New uh, question: Dogs, one game out of the eight, will they make it? No, they're not going to make the eight. I've never really thought there were a possibility to make the eight. Really, the, the, the dogs are uh, yeah. When they get a game the way they want it to play, when they get a bit of a scrap, they're quite a dangerous team. But they're they're not terrific, and I, I can't. I probably can't see them uh, doing a twenty sixteen. I would be pretty surprised if that happened. To but be fair, we were surprised when they did a twenty sixteen. I suppose they do have Aaron Norton, so you know <laughs> they have superstars like that. But it's uh, pretty impressive that they were able to win a game without the superstar that is Caleb Daniel controlling things from the halfback. That run. is impressive. I agree. I mean, with you. really tough ass to do without well, his I mean, defensive capabilities. After half time, they had to put Suckling back to get a bit more ball use out of the back line because they were missing Caleb so badly. Almost like they've got. Plenty of people that can do that. Well, role. I just thought it was brilliant coaching to make a move like that by <laughs> old mate Bevo and uh, keeping Norton forward as always, even though he had a really quiet game. But anyway, Banjo, the most important thing about the Western Bulldogs every week, as we know, it's time, Banjo, for another edition of Billy Gower's Watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. 
just another chance for us to get really angry at the Bulldogs. Benito. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the good coach could get sacked. Is that where we're going? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, he's a great coach, but when you make mistakes like this, yes, it's you should get sacked. It's isn't it? It's just, he's got too ahead, far ahead of himself. He's a bit cocky. He's mate, like, oh, well, I've won a flag. We might make the eight again. Mate, I don't he, have to play Billy. He played VFL. He, he actually played VFL. He played the VFL. Did he play a full Razor. game? I don't know. <laughs> I have his stats. That's well, the only information I like, which I, like I have. The, uh, do you have his time on ground? Uh, no, I don't. That was not one of the stats that were given. But they, I have got a bit more in detail stats than okay. I normally have. Ooh. So look, so he look the usuals. He had seven kicks, five handballs, a little bit of it. Four marks, two tackles. Not 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 terrible. He had four inside fifties, banjo. But then uh, the other big stat which really stood out on the stat yeah. sheet: four free kicks against. Oh, uh, wow. was that a game leader? Game high. Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a lot of free kicks against. Well, I think he just knows how shit Melbourne are and thought he'd give you a leg up. Oh, okay, so he's being a good bloke again. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just he knows trying to help that, out. He the... knows who his biggest fans are. You, then me. And he was like, my biggest fan goes for Melbourne. Yeah, okay. Let's make him happy. He's had a pretty miserable year. His team is so awful. Even their VFL side is terrible. I don't actually know where you are on the ladder. But... No, Let's we've won it. like our last like four or five until this one. We lost by... Oh, you did lose? Yeah, we lost oh, by that a goal. So it didn't yeah. even work. Billy Gow is just so we good. tried. Even when he tries to lose games. <laughs> even when he tanks, he still, he still wins games. But look, I'm going to assume he had about 50% game time because look, on that basis, he would have had quite a good game. Although yeah. eight free kicks against would have been, would have been quite a well, lot. that probably but... would have got the job done for Melbourne. So he was, again, hampered by his coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just being <laughs> held back in every attempt that he makes. But... uh. That's uh, Billy Gower's watch for the week, Banjo. Uh, moving on to two votes in Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. Hawthorne defeated Fremantle by 31 points. Look, look, I, I didn't watch this game, Banjo, but uh, I'm willing to bet this was quite a miserable game of football. Apparently, it was the Nat Five show, and that's yeah. about it. They both, yeah, I mean, he played well, and they just whacked him off the ball for the whole game, supposedly. Old mate Ross was uh, not a happy man. No, spate of incidents like that. We'll get to that later for mm. Port, but... Uh, yeah, Fremantle cooked Hawthorne, no chance still. Fremantle's last month, realistically, probably reads as probably the second worst in the comp. Yeah, oh, did say. you listen to Kane Corns on the round so far? No, is that, is, yeah, did he say exactly that, did he? What he said. I, no, I haven't watched the round so far, but uh, that, that, like, that has to be the case. It's yeah, been real, they got real bad. Cripples by injuries. All their key position players are gone. They have no key forwards anymore. They have They lost key defenders as well. It's just. Stiff, you, really. You're going to laugh in my face, but I really do think that Jesse Hogan went out and they got shit. And I, 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 That's I look, two teams in two years. It's, it's, obvious, <laughs> it's obviously not the whole factor, <laughs> but I think it does have a fair bit to do with it. I honestly, Jesse Hogan is one of those players who makes the players around him better. He gives you structure. Yeah, Tabano going out as well didn't help. And they, they just lob for a period of time. No, nah, it's got nothing to do with them. <laughs> but like, they just can't move the ball forward at the moment. But they're showing all the highlights of them turning it over off half-back. I mean, that's been a Fremantle problem for the entire yeah. time Ross Lyon has been there. And they had somebody to kick it to. Yeah, they actually had some outlet kicks. And now they don't. And now they look like the same old Fremantle without a forward line. That, that's pretty much what's happened with them. A bit sad watching it. And uh, once again, not going to talk about Hawthorne. Happy to do that. Move on. They're irrelevant. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we have not talked about them at all this year. Honestly, if they wanted to, us to talk about them, do something interesting. <laughs> True. They're a pretty bloody boring Fire team. your coach. But moving on to an even more boring and irrelevant game, we've got the three-voter, Banjo, the big three-voter for the week. Uh, Geelong defeated St Kilda by 27 points. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? This is the perfect, perfect gold jacket, green jacket game. It's a pretty good gold jacket, green jacket game. Top yeah. team versus the fourth bottom team. Five goal um, margin. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, like, if, if someone was trying to create relevance out of the game, there was a lot of talk beforehand that if well, St Kilda be, got thumped, yeah. it would have been the end of Richo. And look, they were in the game for most of it. Uh, they were ahead at half time. Yeah, and I think in the even early in the last quarter, it was quite a close game. They, they had a real crack, St Kilda. Quite a uh, sort of hearted effort, I suppose. But uh, in the end, Geelong were just Full a little bit too effort, good. Not half hearted effort. That's correct. Uh, yes, that's what I meant to say, Banjo. Yeah. Fully hearted effort and uh, kept their coach in it for another week, but I think he's pretty cooked. <laughs> oh, yeah. As soon as it becomes Shouldn't be, mathematically impossible for him to make finals, he'll get fired. Why? Because he's got a trigger. 
and they don't want to pay the extra year. Oh, okay. I was wondering what, like, what was the point in waiting for that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, the answer. Yeah, that's you a bit... Inside, imagine uh, being here. Oh, I'd be awful. <laughs> How do you get up to go to work every day? It's probably not as bad as what Bolton got to, but it'd still be awful. Oh, um, like he he knows it's over. Like, what is the point in yeah, going to work? Yeah, but at least Richo had like a couple of twelve win seasons. Bolton was depressing the whole way through. Yes, but I'm saying at this present point in time, it doesn't get much worse. Yeah, and at least Bolton for... loved his players. He did. And I haven't he, heard Richo. He, he loves coaching, once. mate. He's just a happy man who's apparently incredibly miserable at the moment. But anyway, Banjo. Wouldn't you be? We'll get to Carl. That is the end of the old uh, gold jacket, green jacket for round. What, what round is it? 18 or something? Oh, <laughs> now let's get to a segment uh, everybody can call their favourite without being sarcastic. It's uh, Kane Corn's Call of the Week, where we look at a call made in the media, take it to bits, and uh, then make one of our own just to keep humble. Uh, Matthew Lloyd, has he been on this year? I reckon he has, because remember I cracked it that I was really upset that Access All Areas is getting... Uh, there was another... Oh, Access All yeah, Areas got a gold jacket, it, green jacket, because yeah. it's, it's got shit since J, uh, Jimmy Bartell went in there, as we That's all agree rough. and everyone knows. But it's anyway, a crap show now, and Matthew they've, they've let us come, down again. Yeah, whatever. Matthew Lloyd's come back. <laughs> I love Access All Areas. Don't put it down. Love Jimmy. Uh, uh, bring back Gaz. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I just can't. Um, <laughs> you, you can say it now, Banjo. <laughs> so Matthew Lloyd has gone with, Port's loss was the most embarrassing loss in a decade. That's a bit silly. <laughs> I, uh... I, I would like to remind Matthew Lloyd of what happened in 2011 when Geelong played Melbourne. Geelong and... were top of the ladder, or second top maybe. And oh, no, they were Mel- pretty good. Yeah, and Melbourne were, what, 10th? Yeah, we so were still not, in the running for the 8th. Not, yeah. not a basket case We were still stage. a chance, mate. And uh, yeah, how yeah. much did you lose by? 186 was the exact uh, uh, number, Banjo. Could you go to school the next day? Uh, it was a Saturday, so no, I couldn't. <laughs> well, you could <laughs> <laughs> well, I, no I, I remember it was a Saturday because we played uh, rugby that day. Oh, and yeah. I uh, remember getting home and turning it on, and I actually watched the whole thing. But yes, that was more embarrassing, as was probably 150-odd under Mark Neal in round one against Essendon. Oh, that was funny too. Actually, no, was that round one or round two? I don't know. Either way, it was pretty bad. I think it was round two. Mm. But uh, there are a lot more embarrassing performances than this, and I get it. It's pretty poor from uh, Port Adelaide. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. When Buddy kicked 13 against North, just yeah. to make you feel a little bit How better. How much did you lose by that game? 90-odd, 110, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that a wouldn't lot. have been great either. There's been a lot of embarrassing losses you know, in the last decade. And yeah. uh, to call, uh, what did they lose by in the end? About 40 points or something? Yeah, 48. I think, I think that's a little bit extreme. And uh, Gold Coast uh, had to complain about the Adelaide coaches laughing at them in the box this week. So that might have been a bit more did embarrassing Did that happen, too. did it? That did, I caught that up did. on that. Stewie Jew. How does he know they, they were laughing at them? How did oh, that come about? They would have it on the TV or something. I don't know. But they could have been laughing about anything. How do they know they were laughing at Gold Coast? Because it was in the middle of a game after a stuff-up or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Stop interrogating me. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Bring stuff to the table, Banjo. I'm busy watching cricket and tennis up to the early hours of the night. You're the one who needs to tell me what's happening in the football world. Honestly, could you please watch some more football? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I'm too miserable. <laughs> Banjo, what is your Kane Corns big goal of the week? <laughs> well... So I think the Rising Star has been talked about a lot this year. It's been talked about as a race between initially two with Rosie and Walsh. And I think Stacks crept in the conversation. But one man has been forgotten. One man who should be the clear favourite. North Melbourne superstar, rising superstar, Cam Zerha. He's just about the best player in the competition uh, at this stage. I, I don't even like. I don't even Have know how to respond to this banter. More than three. Uh, yes, not for a while though. He's so good. <laughs> I, I watched him a bit in the early parts. A role player who's pretty eight, tough. Works pretty eight hard. Eight goals in two weeks. That's quite good. Yeah, he did nothing after quarter time no, this week. No, that's not true. Really? Yeah, he was alright. Just didn't kick a goal. I don't think he, he didn't get much of the ball either, did he? Oh, he had like. I don't know. I don't know. I just noticed him because he's a noticeable player because he's the best. You don't actually he's think got... he's going to win the Rising Star, do you, Banjo? No, but the actual case <laughs> I want to make is that he should be third ahead of Rosie. Averages is averages a lot more goals game, more inside 50s, more score Wait, so who's, goal assists. who's second Stack? Yeah, I think that's a forgotten conclusion. I think Stack's jumped pretty well past Rosie. Yeah, he's been pretty bloody consistent, hasn't he? Yeah, Rosie just... really has been disappointing. 
Yeah, that one's bugged. Well, I, I, mean, no, I mean, I mean, after that, that I've meant it's been disappointing since that high point early on in the year. Yeah. Since then, he's been a very he's come average down a player. Bit. Not average. He has. He's been pretty mediocre. Okay. Well, Cam Zerha's been great, so he should be the rising star, <laughs> at least third. Look, Banjo, ridiculous call. There, there is clearly someone who has jumped over all of them, including Sam Walsh. After his performance this week, surely old mate Harrison Petty, as a superstar key forward, I think. First, he should be winning the Rising Star. Secondly, screw Sam Wiedemann. We should be giving 650k to Mr. Harrison <laughs> Petty himself. He was an imposing presence up forward, Banjo. Just uh, launching at the ball, kick three goals. Just, just looked fantastic. So, quick question: Can he win the Coleman from here? I mean, yeah, technically he can. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he will win it next year, Banjo. Uh, I, I, my brother turned to me uh, early on in the game. He's like, <laughs> imagine if like Petty kicked like three or four or something this game. Kick three, yeah, looked quite good, old mate. Petty. That's what your team's come to. Mate, he, like, he sucks. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. If he yeah. plays forward again next week, it'll be embarrassing. He was against your best West Coast. key forward by a long way. Yeah. How much are you going to lose, Bo? More well, or less? Than... We did have our two key forwards out. But, by I mean, more they're both or... shit. But... <laughs> <laughs> are you going to lose by more or less than the prelim? Oh, against West Coast. Yeah. Uh, how much did we lose by in the end in the prelim? 80 odd, I think. Less. Yeah, less. So you lose by 70. No, nah, we'll, we'll make it somewhat of a contest. We'll lose by about 50. Okay. okay. Yeah, they'll blow us out a bit Honourable We'll lose loss. by about 50, I reckon. Very honourable losing by 50. And then we'll be 17th. Good draft, though, I hear, Banjo. <laughs> I hear it is a really, really good draft. Oh, uh, You could come second last after next week if uh, Carlton beat Gold Coast. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm really excited. You know what's really, you know really exciting well, for three. me? <laughs> Gold Coast are going to get a priority pick, and it's a two-player draft. Well, pick three will still be pretty good, Banjo. <laughs> pick three will still be quite a good player. Do Hopefully some outside pace. development these days? I mean, all oh, those draft picks in your second last again. I don't know what I trust anymore, Banjo. <laughs> I'm completely lost. <laughs> Let's talk about some other football, please. Collingwood defeated West Coast by one point in one of the games of the round. It's a decent round of for a couple of games and uh, this is a massive win for Collingwood probably one of the games of the year really as well yeah. like it was a high quality game um, and the stories which sort of come out of it in terms of like the the drama going into it in terms of where Collingwood were at can Collingwood pull themselves out yeah, of it Darcy Moore goes down early and then uh, like just just you, you can't really speak Pendlebury highly broke, enough. Breaking his finger, looking like he's out for the year. Now he's going to be able to play next week, apparently. Yeah, they're still in a bit of trouble on the old injury front, which does worry me a tad. But you think Taylor Adams will be back? So that kind of yeah. We've been things. saying that for weeks, though. Is Howe going to be back this week? Now he's another no one we've idea. been saying for a long time. He's like he's going to be back next week, but uh, just doesn't seem to happen. But uh, look. We saw bits and pieces of this game, Banjo. Early on was an absolute <laughs> score fest. Uh, gets to halftime, both coaches are well, they're not too happy about that. So we want a bit more of a defensive game, and that's how it goes. But uh, from a Collingwood point of view, probably the biggest difference in the way that they played, which I don't know, almost worries me a little bit. There was a lot more bombing it long into Mason Cox, and it works because they were clearly like it really is clear that they had a big plan to block for him to give him the launch at the ball yeah and it did work but long term is that going to work in the same way that the way their forward line worked early no, on in the year people will go to work on that and they won't let him be blocked for i just think if you were a defender playing on mason cox i reckon you'd feel great you know exactly what to do on mason cox yeah if you if just you... block him a little bit off his line he just falls over yeah he's like early ben brown yeah, without like, any of the football. I'd say he's a more he's a more extreme version of Ben Brown. You just knock him slightly, and he's just a big giraffe who falls over. Ben Brown will occasionally hold his legs a little bit. That's the that's honestly the thing Ben Brown's gotten better at. But this isn't the North Melbourne section, so let's uh, move on. Yeah. West Coast damaging loss. I could have almost sewn up top two with this win. Yeah, I probably still think there's a chance I'll get there. Although, old mate Nick Nat is the devastating news oh, out yeah, of the day. Oh, yeah, that's the other part we forgot to mention. Yeah, that's uh, that's properly upsetting news. I did jinx him a little bit last week, so I do feel a little bit of guilt oh, about that. Oh, it's definitely your fault. Um, I don't want to. I don't don't mean to bring you down too much, but yeah, you might have cost him his career. I think a bloke who gets injured within five games of every time he comes back and plays. I don't think you can really say that it's my fault. I think no, it was inevitable it was going to happen. No, it's the fault of a guy who's never met on the other side of the country saying things into the ether. <laughs> definitely your fault. But I do feel a little bit of guilt about it. And I do feel really sad about it. Saying he, he makes football better, Nick yeah. Nat. He's a real entertainer. And when you go to a West Coast game, you, 
You really want to watch and him play. And he took the piss out of Grundy for most of the game, which doesn't happen often. He smashed him in the hitouts. And Grundy's gotten really good at uh, the actual ruck work. And at least, like at worst, he halves things. But he got properly beaten. That's really impressive. It's a classic old matchup, that one. Because like, Grundy did so good on the spread, which is the one area where Nick Nat's not so good. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Nick Nat actually managed to match Grundy in the area around the contest and in the ruck work. And... Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, how, how are you feeling about Collingwood? You reckon? Ah, uh, I'm not too flash to be honest. This doesn't really change. Like West Coast just froze for forty minutes. They were quite clearly the better team for the majority of the game, and then just sort of coasted for too long at the end. I don't really the injuries to Moore and Pendlebury, even though he's probably going to play. They make me more cautious, if anything. And I don't know. I just it doesn't really change my opinion of them. I think they're not as good as I thought. Yeah, I'm. I'm still worried about them. Probably yeah. there. Were, there was a real patch early on in the last quarter when they were really just yeah kept bombing it in long to the fifty, and it just they, they were well well on top in the contest. But you could like it just didn't feel like they were going to score, and then they just went bang bang bang, and they did. You get a freak goal from Degoe, and all of yeah. a sudden they're in front and all of that. Um, but yeah, the, that worried me in terms of yeah, their, their biggest problem the last month has really been they're struggling to move the ball forward. And although something worked this week, I feel like it is a bit of a stopgap. And I don't feel like that's going to be something which is going to be winning your flag. Yeah, it seems like a one out in the same sort of way the Richmond game was a one out. Yeah. Like they found yeah, something that worked. And I agree. Yeah. It was a gimmick. It was something out of the box. It was well coached by Buckley. But I don't think it's something that is sustainable because as soon as teams go to work on that, they should be able to do it. And also, I think there's been a bit of media pushback against the blocking tactics. And I think they'll... Yeah, free get, kicks. Look, yeah. Although, to be honest, I think it should be fine. I'm not... Like, scoring's a problem. Who cares? Just let it go. As oh, you can't as, block someone away from If you just check someone, if you just, like, bump them a little bit, that's fine. You just give defenders nothing, don't you? Like, there's enough that forwards get these days. You can't be blocked out of launching in a contest and competing against the forward. But what right does the defender have to the space that the other guy doesn't? No, he just they're, steps blocking, in front. they're blocking him out of the contest, not giving him a chance to compete. That's, that's what Maine was doing. He was just sort of running off his line and just bumping some, not even trying to contest for the ball. He was just blocking people out I of the contest. I still think I'm okay with it. It's just nah, like a screen in basketball. You can't do that. Tactic. And they're not going to let him do that. So, I don't know. With Collingwood, it'll be interesting if it is a stopgap and when Stevenson's back from finals, whether they try to play the same way. I don't know. There's a lot that they're trying to figure out at the moment. and We need a bit of time to wait and see. It's not like, bang, Collingwood are here now. Yeah, I'm not writing them off, but this doesn't make me feel particularly... It doesn't make me write them on again. Yeah. You know, even I though just, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But let's all, move but... on. Carlton defeated Sydney by seven points in Teague's third win in five games, isn't it? Yeah, they just keep rolling on, <laughs> old Carlton. Every week I'm like, ah, oh, I think they've had their little spark. It's probably going to drop off now. But uh, another good win for the Blues. And th- this one was probably the... For me, I felt like this was the most real win I've seen from Carlton. It didn't feel like just a spark and a bit of energy and a freak win out of the box. It was just a game which was a bit of a dour contest the whole way through. They were probably the slightly better team for most of the day. And they sort of got over the line. There was a real even spread amongst the team. Like Everyone contributed. It, was, it felt like a, a proper team performance. So in that sense, in a lot of ways, I feel like this is Carlton's best win of the year or probably best performance of the year. Felt, it felt like a real proper proper win. Yeah, and I really like how makes stupid it makes Judd look. I'd, like, I don't particularly disagree with, with his thoughts, but the way he was talking about Teague having training wheels on and all that stuff, it was really disrespectful. And I don't like Judd, and it's always nice to see him made to be a bit of a fool. How much do you hate his like smug face when people are interrogating him on a footy uh, footy? Classified? I hate everything about He's that. Just, he has that real face. Where just like, look, I just, I, I I've hate said this grin. before, and I'll say it again. The man is not as smart as he thinks he is. Yep. No, we just hate the bloke. Shut up. We hate the bloke. Uh, well, I mean, do you think Teague should be a chance to be coach? Yeah, I honestly, I'm not sure. I think he should definitely get a chance to go for it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he should be written off. And you, I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, they'll have more information on him than anybody else. And if you think this turnaround says more about Bolton than it says about Teague, then you don't hire Teague. But if you think this is Bolt, uh, Teague actually coaching well, 
And you have to give him a real fair crack because they've won more games in the last five weeks than they won in like two years before that. Something which I do have to say on this point it, is... It legitimately is. They'd won more, the same amount of games in the last yeah. five weeks than they had till the start of the season yeah. before. And Carlton supporters are seriously up and about, I can tell you. You would be. The game last week was unbelievable <laughs> how much they outweigh the Melbourne supporters in the crowd and how loud they were and how excited they were. Um, something I have to say on this topic, though, is probably the, the biggest thing about Melbourne getting Paul Ruse wasn't so much his coaching or his tactics or anything like that. It was the fact that we had a a coach there who everyone thought was a gun. And it just meant that the the pressure which had been on the footy club for so long, he ma- he managed to like take a lot of that pressure and he just sort of speak in a press conference, people would be like, oh, it's Paul Ruse, they'll be okay, they'll be okay. It just gave enough stability so for us to... So gave you cover to actually develop. Yeah, to actually breathe and to actually work through it. So I, I get the, uh, the idea of with Carlton where they're at, getting an experienced coach in, even if even if he's not necessarily the best coach in terms of tactics yeah. or anything like that, it could make a big difference for a club that's under that sort of fire. So like, I, I, I don't mind the idea of them being like, no, we need an experienced coach, but I suppose you just, you shouldn't put it on the agenda because it's not. No, like, that is private. Is in charge stuff of the club that should at the be moment. private anyway. Just say, I'm not responding to that. And if the, and if the players do love him, that's not going to rub off very well on the players. If you're making it clear that there's no chance that he's going to be. No, coached. and Judd's probably in a good position because he has played with. Actually, there's not that many left from when he played, is there? They've had such a big list turnover. But so he'd have relationships with some of them, but there's heaps that you wouldn't give a stuff about Judd. Mm. So just. Quiet. It does have to be said with uh, Teague in comparison to North Melbourne where there's been a lot of talk from you and from lots of people about the actual coaching changes, the game style changes which he's made. With Teague, all I've really heard is A, giving the players a bit more license and B, stuff of bringing... Uh, the more experienced players back into the the center square, players like Murphy and Kerno and all of that, yeah, which isn't so much a uh, you know sort of revolutionary tactic. In, in a lot of ways, it kind of just seems like he's just trying to get some wins and trying yeah, to and get to through. Be honest, and- I think that makes Bolton look worse. This is, yeah, I, I think when it's as basic as playing your best players in the midfield and lightening the load on the kids, that's not revolutionary. I think Bolton just. Took a massive risk and just probably took it a little bit too far. Of just being like, we're getting all these kids in, we're just going to make them everything, and, and let's just fair, see I... if they develop in that way. Which normally they don't, but uh, he really, really just took that to the extreme, yeah. taking that risk rather than being like, we need to put a bit of a plaster here for a while, get some experienced players in, try to get some wins, try to get some belief back in the club, and that's I feel like that's all that Teague's done, which yeah. which is good and good on him, but I, I don't know if that's a long term thing. Yeah, and it could be a healing thing for the club to just have some stability and have some wins on the board yeah. while moving into the next. Yeah, stemming the coach. bleeding is huge for a club. Sydney, anything? Um, they're, they're a pretty average team. Yeah, aren't they? it's a season over. They had faint hopes of making the eight, but that's pretty much yeah, done. I don't feel like there's any more than they've scrapped some wins, I guess, as uh, time's gone on. They, that, they've never been entirely convincing. They've... Yeah, just had games where they've been in there. They managed to get over the line in some games. There's never been any point at which I'm like, oh, gee, Sydney are really good. So I think they're an average team who are going to win some that you didn't expect, lose some that you probably they should have won. Yeah, and they're getting more wins that's kind of where they have talent sit. because they've got a good culture and, to be honest, they're pretty well coached. Their system has a pretty pretty high floor. So, I think they they either need a rebuild or they need some pretty dramatic recruiting over the off season. I think. Sydney. I think rebuilding's the way to go. They're yeah. already the second. Year I think they they they're a team who's they're they're at the crossroads. Yeah, Sydney. they they well, need to make some. They've big got decisions. the second youngest list in the comp, so they have kind of already made the decision. But there's not that much talent in the young kids, from what I can see. Mm, so sh- they need to invest in that talent. We've said this earlier. Chuck Heaney and Mills in the midfield, and yeah, just see what let, they've got. Let them do their thing. They're rolling Kennedy's enough now. Kennedy's thirty-one. He's yeah. not going to be around for much longer. Yeah, give, and outside of that, they've only really got Luke Parker. Put Kennedy forward. He could do that. He can take a contested mark. And get get some of those, not not the absolute kids in the middle, but get some of, yeah, like Heaney and Mills. They're old enough to have a chance to run through the midfield now. you got to start doing that. They need to make a change, Sydney. They've been too stale for too long. They need to make some changes. They have. But anyway, let's move on to a game we're not going to dwell on much because my team lost. Essendon defeated <laughs> North by five points. <laughs> It was a pretty good game. I will say that. Essendon, I think, with this win, 
I'm not going to say guarantee or anything like that, but they give themselves a really good shot at making finals, which I didn't think they had in them. Ports form and combined with wins like this should get them there, I think. Yeah, I still feel I'm in that position of... I feel like Port has blown it a lot more than Essendon have yeah. grabbed finals, I suppose. They're, they're eighth at the moment. It doesn't feel like Essendon have gone on this big run and they're really a clear top eight team. I feel like Port Adelaide have fallen out and then Essendon with the next in. <laughs> so in that sense, I'm not super positive. It's kind of Essendon. like the year Carlton made the finals when Essendon uh, <laughs> were kicked out. It feels a bit like that. It, it, it has that sort of vibe to it, yes. Uh, God, this was a relief though, Banjo. Oh, oh God, seeing Tippy kick that goal was just like... God, it made my weekend eminently better. Um, what an absolute relief. How unbearable would you have been if you won this game? Um, I would have just been screaming, camp, 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 <laughs> all the time. It just would have been great. Ben Brown, I would have been off my nut about him. Was, I think it was probably the best game he's ever played. Oh, jeez, that's big. He kicked six, he's yeah. pretty high seven, but he was everywhere all throughout the game. He was really good. He was a lot do- more dominant higher up the ground in addition to being dominant right close towards goal than he normally is. Yeah, okay. 18 touches. Which, yeah, 12 marks. Yeah, he was massive. He took a hanger, which to be fair, he only got about six inches off the ground, but still. <laughs> he can't get too high off the ground. He doesn't <laughs> he, have a lot of hops. He put his knee on somebody's head and his feet were just barely off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, he was fantastic. Taron, people are calling him uh, for all Australian, which is great. That's not me. So that's, that's nice. And uh, yeah, that was about it from North. Uh, Tipper played a fantastic game, and so did McKenna and Saad. They killed us off halfback. We just didn't have the speed to go with them. He is the absolute definition of a barometer player, Tipper. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen it to this extreme before. Yeah. When he plays well, Essendon are at their best. I turned to an Essendon person <laughs> next to me sort of at halftime. I was like, have you guys lost a game where Tipper's kicked a goal yet? And he went, no. It's still there, is it? Like that's, <laughs> they've, won, they've won a game without him yeah. kicking a goal, but they haven't lost one when he has. That's nuts. I, I, what is it? Like, how, how could he be that important? But uh, I, I don't know. It's, I, it's I still, hard to explain. I do explain. think it's a statistical fluke more than anything, but I'm there's, getting carried away with the narrative of it. It's, little, it's fun. There has to be a little bit to it. There has <laughs> to be at least some factor to it. I think he's a very, very important player. He is, and he was fantastic again. Um their run off halfback, it's been talked about ad nauseum for quite a while with mm. Zard and McKenna, but God, they tore us up. Our forward line, while I like a lot of it, isn't the quickest. It uh, <laughs> doesn't have the best forward pressure compared to elite speed, so that's fair. That's probably something we've got to develop. Uh, but we do, that is probably pretty much season over for North, I think, in terms of the eight. <sighs> thank so, thank um, God for that, Banjo. You've, oh. just, you've just warmed my heart. Kiwis lost, Roger lost, Melbourne lost. North are not going to make finals. Yeah, our Ugh. next three are Brisbane away, West Coast away, Hawthorne somewhere, and then Geelong away. Don't think we'll win oh, any of those. Thank God for that. <laughs> thank but God for that. Good draft. Yeah, and you've, no, well, you've ruined your chances, Banjo. I'm the one who gets to say good draft now. I'm the excited one about my what team. What happens if we get pick six or something? That'd be great. We'll welcome Lockie Ash or Caleb Saron. Wouldn't be, be as great. good as pick three. That's what it would be, Banjo. I think it'd actually be better because he'd be coming to North. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I hate you. (laughs) Segment time, Banjo. Yeah, let's move on. It's top five. We don't really need to explain that one. This week, we're doing the most disappointing players in the competition. Ah, sums up my mood, Banjo. An absolute perfect This one's right in your wheelhouse this year. Yeah. And uh, do you want to take it away? I can start, Banjo. Number five, I have a uh, probably a lesser-known Melbourne player who's really, really disappointed me this year. Alex Neil Bullen, Banjo. Mm, he used to be your barometer, actually. Yeah, well, last year he was a bit, he was our tipper. You reckon he's bit. just been shit because he only plays well when Melbourne play well and he hasn't <laughs> like, played well at all? Like, possibly. <laughs> but this is, uh, this is starting to really make me think that it's not so much that he's important. It's more that he's a bit of a One-way front player. runner. But, like, it's hard to say about Neil Bullen because he's not, like, a, a super talented player. He's... like, And he does work hard. He's the, yeah, he's the fittest player in the team and he runs further than anyone in the team but he covers about 15 like he he gets about one disposal for every 15 kilometers that he runs uh, <laughs> old mate Neil to be Bourne. fair to him he does require sort of system goals at the back type stuff to but that's he kicked a lot last of that last year, year. It, was all, it was like desperate efforts and tackling yeah. and pressure and he, he got to the point the end of last year he would have been one of our first picks he was a super super important player in the role that he played and this year he's just 
it's it's inexplicable. Yeah, he, he's played one game where against Hawthorne late in the game, I was like, Neil Bullen's been good. That's the only time I've even got close to thinking that with him. And he's been dropped and keeps coming back in, and he's crap. I, he's just been so far off it. It's it's unbelievable. What what's your five, Danger? Um, I've gone Steel Sidebottom. He was one of the best players in the competition this year, and he's oh, just he's geez, just, he's just harsh. the solid midfielder. But to be honest. I wanted to say Dane Beams and that felt harsh. And it's just an analogue for the entire Collingwood midfield. They have been so disappointing. That whole midfield has just been woeful compared yeah, do you, to their You do realise that they're second on the ladder at the moment. Yeah, but their midfield has been so disappointing. <laughs> it's pretty harsh to put old mate Sidebottom in there. He's averaged 26 disposals. I stand by. He's been ordinary. <laughs> and he's one of the best kicks in the competition. They're all uncontested. He hasn't been as good as last year, but to say he's one of the most damaging. disappointing players, super harsh. I don't Super care. harsh, Banzer. Some of us need to make big calls. Now, now, Some ma- of us put our balls on the line. Now, now, this one's not super harsh, Banjo. This is uh, very fair. Mr. 650K, uh, Sam Wiedemann starts the year as uh, the next big thing who dominated the final so series. So has he not lived up to uh, how good he was in the finals? Uh, Banjo, we, we banked our entire future on Sam Wiedemann on the basis of one and a half games. And he is very, very poor. <laughs> he is a very poor footballer, and uh, like he, he he would probably be the thing that kind of sums up how disastrous this year has been. Because that that was the excitement we banked so much on him. We developed our whole sort of list around the fact that Sam Wiedemann is going to be a good footballer, and he is just not. <laughs> like he's simply not. And uh, yeah, he, he's been a disappointment. Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay, Banjo. There's just a lot of hurt in your eyes. Yeah, right number four, Banjo, for you. Cam Rayner. <laughs> oh, of course it is. You hate Cam Rayner, don't I you? I don't hate him. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, you really hate him. I don't <laughs> hate him. I'm just disappointed. You just bring it to the pot he, every week. How crap is Cam Rayner? He is literally the only disappointing thing about Brisbane. It's second year blues, mate. It happens. He's averaging like eight disposals a game. Yeah, he had He's another a number one pick. He had another solid seven this week, just to uh, respond to your uh, critical analysis last Drop week. Drop him it. and get his confidence back. Move him somewhere where he might touch the ball, but just do something. He's not kicking many goals. He's not getting a lot of the ball. Get him involved, Fagan. Unless he's clearly doing some sort of a, a role and he's doing that really well, you'd think he's in serious danger of being dropped. Like, serious danger. It makes no sense the way they're treating him. It's yeah. not. I don't think it's good for him the way they're treating him, And but he has been disappointed. You'd prefer him to just dominate at the, uh, the Neeful for a while? Just at least God, a couple God, he would dominate the Neeful too. <laughs> if he yeah, played midfield he in the Neeful, he, he would tear it apart. Work for Jai Simkin. Now go. Number three, Banjo. We're going to a whole new level. Angus Brayshaw. You know how he came third? How did he only come third in this <laughs> list? You hate... So I've yeah. noticed a pattern. We have two players who are more disappointing. You're, you're yeah. only doing Melbourne players. And oh, Brayshaw. really? Did you pick up on that, did and you, Banjo? <laughs> came third in the brown low and is now yeah. worth as much as, I don't know, would you trade Trent Dumont for him? Probably not. Yeah, no, He's there, awful. There, there are t- <laughs> no, he's not awful. He's, he's ordinary. Yeah, he's ordinary. That's what he is. He's gone from third in the brown low to being ordinary. And he's only the third most disappointing player at Melbourne. It's been... A, yeah. Are no, you sure I'm telling you're okay? There are, there, there are two worse. I'm telling you there are two worse. But his one's been strange. His, year, his first few games were really... His pre-season was dominant. He dominant pre-season. First couple of games were really good. And then he just started getting pushed to the wing a little bit. Lost his way a bit. Started getting pushed back in the midfield again. Played like a good half. I don't remember who it was against. So I was thinking, okay, he's back in the midfield to get his confidence back. Now he's just been crap in the midfield. He spends a lot of time forward now. At the moment, he's just not good enough. Um, he's good enough to be in the team, but he's he's a very average player yeah, after being he's third one of the players in the Brownlow. You talked about as having your great midfield last year, and mm. just and that was rightful. He was great last and, year. And, and if he's not what he was, you'd just look so different. Yeah, he sums us up a fair bit as well, mm. old mate Gussie. Yeah. Anyway, my and three, uh, the Chad. He's been disappointing. That's a good one, Banjo. He has been mighty disappointing. That has flown under the radar a fair bit, hasn't it? Yeah, it's because no one wants to talk about Hawthorne because they're so boring. He's a big X-Factor supposed star who's gone across on this big deal, and he's he's been nowhere near it. He's He's been been injured for a lot of the year, but that was very predictable. And when he has played, he just, outside of three random goals against North Melbourne where he hadn't done anything... Yep. All game prior to that, he's not looked good at all. Yeah, like he's barely fired a shot, and to be honest, I don't think he 
is all that likely to for I'm almost ready to say his career. Like <laughs> Banjo. I'm almost Harley Bennell Bringing the Kane Corns into the top five. Like, I'm almost <laughs> Harley Bennell stages with How him. old is he? Like, 25? 26. Uh, you, you can't be riding him off. But uh, they need I him to be I'm good. Because as we've said, they're an incredibly boring team and he's one exciting player. So he needs to be good. And uh, yeah, he, he deserves to cop a lot more heat than he has got this year. My number two, Banjo, you have to agree with me on this one. Uh, Tom McDonald has been more disappointed. Only number two. Only Who number on two. There's number someone one? higher, Banjo. You'll find out. Oh, this is staggering. Do you agree that Tom McDonald's more disappointing than Brayshaw, though? He's gone from a at close least to he, all Australian forward. He's to... still better than Mason Cox. He. The, the frustrating thing with McDonald at the moment, he, he finally just found hits form, <laughs> gets injured. We're in this like awkward position now, but we're like, look, McDonald and Wiedemann are not good. We have to get into the offseason. We have to figure out our forward line again. We have to do that. Now it's like this weird thing of like, but is Tom McDonald good? He did have 20 touches and kicked six goals in three quarters. Maybe he is good and he was just out of form. Like I, I don't even know. But I still think he's good. I think this year was a blip. Oh, do I'd you? Back him in. Yeah. I'm not confident. He, he was very disappointing. I'm not taking anything away from his position on the list. Still think Bradshaw should have been ahead of him. But I do think it was a blip. He needs to be a second forward in a very good team. I think maybe he got quick ball movement. He just had to hit it up last year. This yeah, year, when he's had to actually get defender. creative, he's just been he's been dreadful. Yeah, fair number enough. two though, Banjo. Only number two. Whew. That's incredible. <laughs> My number two, and you're not gonna like this one. I disagree with your points on him, Jesse Ogan. Ah, oh, <laughs> turn it up. <laughs> Harsh, so harsh, mate. He's got a lot of problems that he's dealing with at the moment. <laughs> he all right, didn't kick a goal for the first five weeks or something. Look, Banjo, I agree with you. He hasn't quite been at the level that we would have hoped for him, but he's been dealing with a lot of stuff, and he's. I don't. Know, I, I still think he. I still think he makes a big difference to the team. Part, although he hasn't been starring, he made Fremantle a better team early on in the year, and I do genuinely think they're missing him a lot. He scored. 13 goals in 12 games. I'm aware of that. I'm aware that he has had a That's bit of a awful. disappointing... He kicked 40 goals in his first season. He kicked twice as many goals per game in his first yes, season. Yes, I'm aware, he's Banjo. He's gone backwards I told you he's dealing nice. with some issues, and is he'll be that... back bigger and better next but year. But is that not disappointing? He's a star. You've just traded. Yeah. Pick five for it's him. It's disappointing, but it's not Tom McDonald. You could have got Stephen May, but they got Jesse Hogan. And he's only kicked a goal a game. You wouldn't want Stephen May either. Gold Coast are bloody winning that trade. <laughs> Somehow. Ben King, here we come. And they anyway, got Ben Jasny. The great oh. Archer. You picked it. <laughs> the great unveiling. Cade Collar Jasny, mate. Before uh, round one, we were watching them warm up, me and my brother. And he turns to me and goes, I have really high expectations of college Jasny. I'm thinking All-Australian. I'm thinking he's <laughs> going to be All-Australian this year. I mean, his concussion issues have been off the scale so A much worse sad, than dude. anyone could have realised. And yes, yes, sad. But God, when he was playing, it was not like... He was an absolute liability to the team. He, yeah. he played a couple of the worst games I've seen for Melbourne footballers. And you know, you know how big a call that is. He's had a career he's- ruined by injury because it's not just affected him... Uh, his ability to play the game, like to get on the park, but it's clearly yeah, affected his mentality so. on the park. You'd think so. He's just not willing How to. How big a deal have we given him? Three years, uh, I think. Like you would delist him now if you could. Like he's he's absolutely done. There's no question. That's a bit about harsh. It. He's only twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably younger than that, mate. He is absolutely <laughs> linded. He is cooked. What's your number one banjo? Who's been the most disappointing player uh, this year? I don't think this one's too surprising for anybody. Uh, Bryce Gibbs. Oh, yeah, okay. There's okay. just not much explanation needed. He's been dropped four times. Yeah, I still don't know if he's been treated right. I don't know no, how much. No, I don't think he has. I don't know if, yeah, it's not all his fault, I don't think, to be honest with you. I think if he was given the right role for him, he'd be looking quite quite good. So I just Googled Cade Kolejasny, <laughs> and the first article is from December, Boxing Day 2018. Why new Melbourne recruit Cade Kolejasny is far from a set of steak knives. Yep. No, there was a lot of positive talk going into the year, Banjo. People thought it was the... And to be fair to Steak Knives, they are a positive. Well, the last big Steak Knives, remember, it was old uh, Jack Crisp in the uh, Dane Beams deal. That's true. Brisbane, and he's done quite well. Uh, Yeah, no, old mate KK, mate. 
Speaking of KK's former home, let's get to Adelaide defeating Gold Coast by 95 points. Getting better at those segues. Yeah, this is one of those games where I look at it and I think me getting excited about Richmond last week beating Gold Coast by 90-odd points maybe wasn't as big a yeah, statement as I thought. we could not be any more unexcited by Adelaide's prospects and they just beat Gold Coast by more. Yeah, I think it was like... Adelaide, who we've been saying they're the most boring, defensive, disappointing team, they scored 151 points. It is, it is Gold Coast. This is about Gold Coast. It is not about Adelaide. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah, this is probably good for Adelaide to get some confidence, but that's literally it. That's the only takeaway you can possibly Maybe. have form to some players. Miller had... a good game for the first time in a while you'd be aware of that yes i am i was very happy with but, like, but, touches but honestly goal. banjo is miller getting 27 touches and eddie betts kicking six goals and josh jenkins kicking four is that going to mean any against gold coast is that going to mean anything next week when they go back to being a boring defensive team and the ball's being moved in really slowly but maybe they've got more confidence to move the ball a bit quicker that's the only they, like i'm reading this positively for them they were very, very, very lucky that with the form they've had, that they had Gold Coast now. Like this was their sort of their chance to find some form. And yeah, as an Adelaide supporter, you'd probably be hoping for that. But I just want once I feel like they'll go back to the way they've been playing, and it's just not going to mean anything. That that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and it'll that's just be some false hope. I was just looking for a positive, but let's get to the real story. That's the Gold Coast. <laughs> should we fold them? Should we ship them to Tasmania? Where should they go? Is it all hopeless? Just how guilty are you feeling? I know I asked you last week, Banjo. If you guys had done the right thing by the competition and <laughs> gone to the Gold Coast, we wouldn't be dealing with this mess. Uh, yeah, not guilty at all. Just happy. <laughs> just happy. I'm, I'm just so Honestly, happy how right I was on this as well. <laughs> I'm all for the Gold Coast project. They are actually doing well in establishing roots in that community. Participation's gone up massively in AFL in that area. Their membership is growing. Their attendance is better than GWS's, even though they're awful. Like, honestly, just let him grow. They're shit on field, but that doesn't mean as a club they've got no prospects. This will eventually turn around if you give them the right resources. I think they should be given help. I don't think necessarily pick two and that's it is the right way to go. I'd give them a bit of space in the salary cap and give them picks to trade. I can't do that. It was too controversial. You just give him Eddie temp- will be fuming. Yeah, but Eddie should just stop. No one should listen to Eddie. He has a lot of I power, Banjo. I don't think he's ever offered something positive to the competition when he's whinged like that. Like, what, what if, which of his ideas have really worked out? Didn't he want a new stadium in Yarra Park or something? I don't know. Like, there he's, he's a, he's a smart of, man he's who has a lot of, of influence. awful Banjo. ideas. But anyway, not the point. Just let them grow. Give them some help. Give, make them trade a pick you give them or something. They need experienced bodies. I don't think they need another 18-year-old unless it's an 18-year-old that would otherwise go to Melbourne. Yeah, I think I think pretty much everyone would agree with you on that point. Yeah. At the moment, they do just have a massive problem. They're getting talent in. Their club's a piece of crap, so they just leave. and like they're, There's nothing to build there. I just, God, I feel sorry for Stewie. What, why did he take this job? Why? Why? He, it is an absolute. Had the well, to be fair, he the idea was he was sort of going to have a handover with Longmire, but Longmire's just signed about three years. He he almost got Goodwin's job as the we wanted him as the second to Paul Roots yeah, to take over. Like he had some opportunities, he kind of kept putting them off. Like I want to get more experience. He goes to the goal because like it's just it sucks because. So it is so hard for a coach who has been sacked or something hasn't worked out for a coach to get another job and to have a career. And, and he hasn't done anything wrong. No, he's done a good job, and may, like maybe people realise that. But if this is still the case in a couple of years' time, he won't keep the job, and no. probably through no fault of his own, he'd need a rat like done. successful. Uh, assistant stint he'd have to go to a club that won three flags or something yeah to get talked about again. yeah because that's the only reason ratten's looked at this yeah positively. and the fact that he got shafted and, I he, guess. and he was sacked in pretty unfair circumstances yes but anyway should we move on richmond defeated gws by 37 points big win for richmond crippling loss for gws this one has plenty of impact it was 27 points was it confirm that because oh. I, I did think it was a bit lower than that because i'm like i am in that boat My of, bad. i am in that boat of everyone's getting really excited about richmond they're here and i did that a bit last week but like i don't think this win means particularly much yeah, Cornelia went down straight away yeah, they're absolutely crippled and yes their best player got injured in the first 
five minutes of the game. Like, that's a pretty rough circumstance. I think you'll find their best player didn't play at all and their second player. Yeah, all right, Banjo. <laughs> their best player, at least playing today, you would say, or playing yesterday, you would say. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I do think Richmond are pretty much back, though. Well, uh, I mean, like, the thing is, they have a great run. They're playing well and they have a great run home. I think and they'll, they'll get a lot of wins and they'll probably finish in a quite a good spot. I and think then they'll I will make be. the top four. And then if they're playing Geelong at the MCG Geelong's form has dropped off quite significantly yeah but I suppose there's a, there's a difference between saying they're playing at a good enough level that they're going to win all these games and they'll potentially be up there around the mark and being like looking at this game and thinking this means Richmond are at their best or anything like that yeah I just, that's true GWS have been really struggling and they have extra injuries on top right now they're, they're a really really battling team uh, GWS so I wouldn't be getting too carried away with Richmond's performance I just just wanted to put that That's out fair. there they did look really good they had that ball movement which that manic forward momentum back yep which I hadn't really the seen Richmond thing yeah Shai Bolton's playing fantastic football he's really coming into his own and their midfield just looked a lot better it didn't look as frail as it has it a lot of times and I guess GWS aren't the most bruising midfield in the world they're not going to really beat no, anybody up even when they're fit not, yeah, yeah so it, I guess it's not a great matchup because that's one way to beat Richmond just to just really smash them but still and I am really worried about GWS I'm going to restart the sack Cameron campaign I'm just going to put that uh, you just want to sack every coach in the yeah, comp well, don't you I don't think Beveridge is going to get sacked so I need a new one and Worsfold's not going to get sacked anymore either because they're going to make finals you can't I need to sack you know somebody. there is one person at GWS who should be sacked and it should be their bloody fitness bloke that's true they, they're they're injured. We get to this point every year and we're like, GWS are a really good team. They look good at the start of the year, but they're too injured now. We say this every single yeah, year. Just quietly, Gold Coast have the same problem again. Yeah. It's just that none of their players are good enough for us to worry yeah, about. Yeah, it's, it's for it to get any sort of headline. Yeah. But they're like this every year and there is Kelly, a... Kelly, And there's real worries about the way Keneally yeah, was treated. Is, Should he have played I've heard. Not? I've heard that apparently he's quite pissed off that they played him. Which, like, if that's true, that's not... Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a real, real... Real bad thing. So, like, as we say, there's enough talent there, and I, I, I honestly, I do not think they're. A, I don't think they're a terrifically coached team. I don't think they're a badly coached team. You see, but this the, does seem like they, they just have these obstacles every year. You see, in the best eight coaches, Cameron. I don't know. I don't have a list of the best eight coaches, but I, I, I think he is. If you look at what he's done at GWS, I think you would give him a tick. Like he's not better than Ray Shaw. I think he's done a good job with an expansion team to make them. Uh, consistent finals yeah, team. Yeah, I agree, made a couple but I don't prelims. think he's the guy that's going to take him over the top. And I think this team should get taken over the top. But anyway, let's move on to one of the... Jeez, there's been so many big results. Port <laughs> lost to Brisbane. I mean, Brisbane defeated Port by 48 points. In the Massive most result. embarrassing loss of all time, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Oh, Brisbane, they just keep doing it, don't they? It's, it, like, it's, we have to take them seriously, don't we? Oh, you, you have to now, yeah. <laughs> it, it's got to that point. It's, it's GWS been... away, Port away. Yeah. And yes, question marks over both of their team's forms of the last few weeks, but massive, massive win. And for a team, we're worried about consistency, we're worried about inexperience. To do it two weeks in a row, on the road, against good opposition, although, say what you want about Port this week, but mm. that... That really does say a lot about Brisbane. Yeah, um, had one of their best midfielders a laid out as well through them just before the game. Didn't yeah. really affect anything. One of their cleanest Mind players. Mind you, they can't the use injuries. As an ex- they, they have not had an injury all year. No, that's all very year. true. But they got oh, Lions yeah. to step up and fill... It's not really a hole because Lions Lion, been He's been good the last month or so, Lions. Yeah. He's found some form. He's been... Zorko's just a gun, isn't he? Oh, he's fantastic. He is such a damaging... He's had an interesting career, Zorko. He started off as a real sort of possession getter. And he went through a period of time where they were... You could tell they were really trying to get him to become a bit more defensive and to do a bit more of the team thing. Well, he leads the... Then this he year, he's just a forward running mid. at one point. Yeah. For the year. And, like, that's fantastic. Because you're right, he is incredibly attacking. Yeah. And he's he, been freed up to do that with uh, Neil coming in. For a while, when he was yeah that high possession player, he was just waxing with Tom Rockliffe, but they weren't really going anywhere. Yeah. But he's transformed he, he, yeah, into he, just being as damaging a player. He, and to be honest, he was really damaging even when he was doing that. He just wasn't as damaging as he could be. But now everything he, seems to count. He's adapted throughout his career with whatever the team needs. Yeah. And that, that, that is a sign of just a... Uh, and they got him off the rookie great list. Player. Like, he's just had a fantastic career from where he came from. He's... He's an absolute success story, and 
especially for Brisbane, getting that homegrown talent during a period where they had really trying circumstances for him to stick around and see this. It's not quite Nathan Jones levels, but it's, <laughs> it is a, it's good to see. It's, it's in that category, I suppose. But, uh, you know, he's, he's an absolute star. Um, yeah, I'm, it's, just, it's time to just get quite excited and be like, we've, I think pretty much everyone has their team for finals now. Pretty much everyone oh, yeah. who, yeah, whose team doesn't make finals are going to be helpful ever supporting Brisbane. And that's going to be a lot of fun because that's just so good to watch as well. Brisbane games are just, they're the best. Yeah, they they are the best team to watch in the competition. Yeah, the, the thing which I love about them is like they, they they look like they're having fun when they play footy. They mm. look like they're just loving being out there. There's a lot of just young players who are just so excited to be playing in a team that's winning games. Yeah, and one thing I really liked about this game is Port threw some pretty dodgy tactics at them, and yeah. Brisbane were tough and just stood up through it. And while Port were losing their head, Brisbane kicked four goals from clear like clear mistakes on Port's part from getting too focused on Neil. They were composed through it and just worked it defensively for them to just be able to exploit on the back end. They were fantastic early in doing that, and it really bit Port in the ass. In saying that for Port, really <laughs> disappointing loss. For as much as we can talk about Brisbane, Port were just as bad. Their, their, their psyche is just so hard to get into at the moment. I, it, it's, it's very, very hard to explain where they're at mm. as a club. And I, yeah, I've said it a bit the last few weeks, but they do seem to be a team who they're not system-based. They're not even really talent-based. They seem emotion-based. They said they're the biggest... They're, they're just huffers and puffers, mm. Port Adelaide. Their whole club, from Koshy to Hinkley to the way that they play the game. They're, they like making a big deal out of everything, making big stories, talk a big game all the time. Whenever there's a big loss, it's always out in the media, this is what we're going to do this time. And then they sort of, they get up for that. And it's just, it just creates an entire roller coaster. And it's been happening for years and it's been happening despite what their game plan is, which has changed lots of times over the last few years. No matter what happens with that, their performance is fluctuating with their effort. Strange club, really strange. And it's not like they don't have talent. Like, if they were just utilizing their talent to the best of their abilities, I think they had a really strong midfield. Yeah, and they, their winger, their flankers and stuff, they're all right too. I just the, Charlie Dixon's had a down year because he's been hurt and he's only just coming back. But like, they've got good, strong pillars generally. And they're not inexperienced either, really. I no, mean, I know we, they, they've had these good kids who've come in this year, but the core of their team is what? Boke, Rockliffe, Robbie Gray. Westoff. Like, like, yeah, a lot of very experienced Even Wines, who's on the younger side of experience, is still pretty experienced. Yeah, He's 24 now. Yeah, exactly right. Hartlett, players like that. They've got a lot of experience in there, which means... It's not one of those things we can say, they're inconsistent, they're a young team, this is what happens. This has been something which has been ingrained with that club for a while. No, and it's, it's, it's one of those weird things, because they do have this sort of flavour of youth in them, which makes them seem like a younger club than they actually are, but they've got four really young kids, but that's like it. Yeah. There's hardly anybody and that, else. And that's been their tick out of this year. That's been yeah. the positive, is that they have got some kids in there who have done a really good job and potentially are real players of the future. Yeah, but yeah, and I think they've proven that they can draft well when they've got the assets. Mm. Whether or not they can continually go down that path or not is going to be very interesting because it's going to be hard to maximise the end of Gray's career. He's 31. Bo could be 29 or something like that. He's 30. So they're, they're, all those guys are on the tail end of their careers. Yeah. And what do you do with them while they sort of sail off into the sunset. Do you give it a crack or do you go to the draft? There are a bunch of huffers and puffers, Banjo. That's what they are. And it's getting very, very frustrating as a Port Adelaide supporter. Some houses they can't blow down. Exactly. Exactly right, Banjo. Let's move on to Poochie's mailbag. (laughs) Opening question is for you, Banjo. Uh, If Cornelio, i.e. the best player at GWS, is out for the year, does that mean he is more likely to leave GWS? And will it reduce reduce his next contract? Also, where do you think he will play next year? So a couple of things. Uh, a lot about Cornelio in that question. Talking <laughs> about, First thing I want to say is nowhere in the question did it say best player at GWS. Oh, that, that is well, a, so I thought, sorry, I just thought it was implied. I thought you must have cut that it is out. That is a subjective <laughs> opinion that is objectively wrong. Um, and if he's angry that they played him, it could mean he's more likely to leave GWS. I've heard an alternate theory that players tend to get sort of emotionally attached when they're in the rehab facility and feel like they own mm. the club. Yeah. So that could go the other way. It's all a lot of noise. 
I don't think it'll touch his contract next year. I think it's an injury that's not going to affect him going forward. Uh, it's not an ACL that's been confirmed. It's It will keep him out for the season, apparently. But I have no idea where he's going. I yeah, hope I mean, it's not Hawthorne. Fuck Hawthorne. I mean, for, for, for the for the teams you hear are going after him, Hawthorne, Carlton, St Kilda, those sorts of po- teams. There's not a good club there. No, true. But, like, but they'd all be offering like six, eight-year deals or whatever with serious money. They, they shouldn't, uh, if they get deterred because of a knee injury, even if it was an ACL, uh, that's they should not be doing that. They should be looking a lot more long-term than that. So that shouldn't affect the contract. But, uh, yeah, I, I have no if idea. If you were offered those four clubs, I'd stay at GWS, wouldn't you? Probably, yeah. I probably won't get as much money there, but... Yeah, I yeah. don't know. That's fine. I wouldn't go to any of those. I don't clubs, know. It's really. often, it's often, it's just an attractive thing being the big dog who like, goes across on big money for a team. Although something which is quite interesting is, I mean, if you look through the Premiership teams the last few years, there is not one example of the big fish who went across to a team and then won a Premiership. If you look at the team, the Premiership no, teams the last few years, Richmond like, had Prestia, but he's a step below. Yeah, I mean, the the, the core of their team are all homegrown. Uh, like I think probably the best example of it is probably Tom Boyd, really, and like you yeah. know that that's its own weird little yeah, <laughs> box. That, that's that a one. story in and of itself. Sydney never won one with Buddy Hawthorne. They yeah they were well known for trading for players. But that, but it was they, always fringe. It was yeah, David Hale. They were Sean, Bo- like, Sean Bergon wasn't fringe, but he's been a he's been a flexible player that has filled gaps, not really been a core yeah, piece that the, the, they've. The core of that team was obviously all homegrown players, Hodge and Mitchell and Lewis and all of that, Roughhead. It doesn't seem to work like that. So I I do find that quite interesting. It's always an exciting thing. Get the big fish in and then we'll be good. It it doesn't happen. I mean, Carlton were no good with Chris Judd. I do love trade radio, though. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Uh, As we near the end of the year... This one's from Dan, your favourite listener. Oh, is it now? Your favourite listener. As we near the end of the year, it's clear that one team, more than any other, is dysfunctional and uncompetitive. Is it time for the AFL to finally cut its losses and fold the <laughs> Melbourne Football Club? I really like this question. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting sick of this Dan character, Banjo. Can you answer the question? Stop attacking I, the man. And play I, the I have never met this bloke in my life, and he just slanders me every week on this podcast. You can about meet him at the Josh Kelly party. Everything he can... I don't, I don't want to meet him, man. I reckon he's a dead set flog. This is, this is, this is unfair... Come, he's a honestly, keyboard warrior who just sends in questions, just abusing honestly, me, Banjo. Honestly, answer the question and stop attacking the What's man. the question, should the Melbourne Football Club fold? Yeah. The answer is no, Banjo. That is the answer but to the honest, question. How has the oldest football club in Australia gotten to this stage of disrepair where we would even entertain that? We're a much stronger honestly, club than we were five years Tom ago and we survived through that. turning in his grave. Well, yes, of course he has. But he has it's been not for, just because he's hungover. He has been for 60 years. We're not going to die now, Banjo. Worry about the Gold Coast. I love you just admitted you've had 60 years of shit. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> Banjo, is Ben Cunnington a sniping dog? Banjo, should he be suspended for his multiple gut punches as a collective or keep receiving increasing fines? Uh, no, Ben Cunnington's just cheeky. He's a very cute player, just a little cheeky. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's cute, isn't he? Yeah, he's cute. Mate, uh, he's a much bigger dog than Bernie Vincent Much bigger was. dog. Bernie Vince broke the, uh, broke the uh, record at Melbourne for being reported. The guy whose record yeah, he broke he had played people. 250 games. Bernie played 100. No, they were all just little bumps that went wrong yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't just whacking people like Cunnington does. Yeah, ben Cunnington has just had punches that have gone he wrong. He should be ineligible. What he's meant to do every single time is punch the ball and incidentally hit the player in the head, not just punch other people. He should be ineligible for All-Australian, I think, Ben Cunnington. Yeah, because we've, Cause we've definitely had a, uh, he's a, de- had a history a, of being suspended out of the All-Australian He's a, he's a dead set dog. <laughs> it's uh, All-Australian and fairest. That's what it's really called. But he definitely should have been suspended by now for being a dog across the course of the year. You know whose fault it is that he hasn't been? Just quietly for Pooch who asked this question. It's Trent Cotchins because Trent Cotchins uh, rode the line <laughs> so fine in the year Richmond won the flag and should have been suspended for the grand final. Yeah, he absolutely you. should have been, Pooch. Uh, you remember they, that. They, they, removed, they, they, they removed the rules. So uh, you, that's who you've got to thank, Pooch. All right, big stretch to rip into Richmond again, but I'll, I'll pay it, Banjo, I'll pay it. <laughs> where, where was the logical flaw in that? Argument? <laughs> it was 100% right. Yeah, Poochie will be loving it. Banjo, final question off battle situations with unexpected handicaps. Oh. Hit me. 
Jeez, we're, uh, I reckon we got about three or four left at the well, absolute we've had most. Banjo submissions from Pooch for one of these days. Uh, his is no good. Oh. Banjo Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother, mm-hmm. but his fingers have been replaced with bigger cheese sticks. Versus Ross Geller from Friends, but he has a permanent and severe case of the hiccups. Both of them aren't that bad a handicap. I mean, your fingers are bigger cheese sticks. You still got your knuckles. Exactly. Though, don't you? Exactly. So I mean. I, don't, I mean, would it make it hard uh, to like grab? You? I think it'd cushion the punch a little bit. Yeah, probably. You couldn't. A yeah, you bit. definitely couldn't grapple. You just kick. You couldn't uh, eye gouge. Yeah, you definitely couldn't eye gouge. That's a fair point. Uh, but you'd just be kicking a bit. Then they, I don't think elbows, the hiccups is that bad either. Just, just take a Bernie Vince elbows and bumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah you exactly still do right. That, but that's you only could, cheeky. You couldn't do it. That's a only cheeky. That's only yeah, not going to hurt anybody. It's a, it's a cute tactic. I yeah. do. I do back Ross Geller here. Um, I don't think either of them could particularly fight, so I don't think there's any innate character benefit. They're both big guys, but yeah. they're yeah, they're not fighters, you would no. say. Although Rossi, he's an angry man; he that's goes through true. his rage period. That's true. So if that comes out, mm, that's very. But true. the hiccups aren't really going to hinder you, are you? No. Like, you just ignore the fact. The only you have thing they could have, and to be honest, once you get punched in the gut really hard, you have got other concerns other than the hiccups. So like five seconds into this fight, it's just going to be like the third most, the third thing on his mind. It's not really going to affect him. I'm back in Ross. The bigger things have real implications. Hiccups, just work through it. Uh, another advantage. You might too. even get a, like a speed boost in your punch if you hiccup at the right time and the right angle. Uh, another <laughs> another advantage as well, Banjo, is uh, Ross Geller was involved in a show that was better for more than four seasons as well. So that that's a real factor as well. Just a far better TV show. So yeah, I'm going with Ross. Yeah, he's, for that yeah. reason. <laughs> he was probably paid more, so he could afford better bodyguards. Yeah, well, that's if we're taking that, that that's if a we're fair taking point. that uh angle. Oh, yeah, although well, uh, what's his name? Jason Siegel. He'd have a fair bit of money these days. He's done that's a lot of true. stuff. Cult classic, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, Great rubbish movie. movie. Rubbish movie. You don't like that movie? No, I don't like that movie, Banjo. Oh, it's just a, uh, <laughs> just a comfort movie. Banjo, me. I really want to go to bed. I did not sleep enough last night. Uh, way too much great sport. And now you've just made me talk about a rubbish sport for an hour. And uh, can we please finish this podcast? Yeah, well, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining <laughs> me, Scott. Obviously, it was such a chore for you. Well, um, it was, yeah. We'll see you next week.